We turn in God's holy and inspired word tonight to the gospel according to Matthew chapter 23. Matthew 23, the text tonight will be verses 27 and 28. We are going to read the entire chapter because it all all fits together as Jesus here speaks concerning the Pharisees and their hypocrisy. So Matthew 23, this is the Word of God. Then spake Jesus to the multitude and to His disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. All therefore whatsoever they bid you observe, that observe and do. But do not ye after their works, for they say and do not. For they bind heavy burdens and grievous to be borne, and lay them on men's shoulders. But they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. But all their works they do for to be seen of men." They make broad their phylacteries and enlarge the borders of their garments and love the uppermost rooms at feasts and the chief seats in the synagogues and greetings in the markets and to be called of men, Rabbi, Rabbi. But be not ye called Rabbi, for one is your master, even Christ, and all ye are brethren. And call no man your father upon the earth, for one is your father which is in heaven." Neither be ye called masters, for one is your master, even Christ. But he that is greatest among you shall be your servant, and whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased, and he that shall be humble, that he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. But woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye shut up the kingdom of heaven against men. For ye neither go in yourselves, neither suffer ye them that are entering to go in. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For ye devour widows' houses, and for a pretense make long prayer. Therefore ye shall receive the greater damnation. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For ye compass sea and land to make one proselyte, and when he is made, ye make him twofold more the child of hell than yourselves. Woe unto you, ye blind guides, which say, Whosoever shall swear by the temple, it is nothing. But whosoever shall swear by the gold of the temple, he is a debtor. You fools and blind, for whether is greater the gold or the temple that sanctifieth the gold. And whosoever shall swear by the altar, it is nothing. But whosoever sweareth by the gift that is upon it, he is guilty. Ye fools and blind, for whether is greater the gift or the altar that sanctifieth the gift. Whoso therefore shall swear by the altar, sweareth by it, and by all things thereon. And whoso shall swear by the temple, sweareth by it, and by him that dwelleth therein. And he that shall swear by heaven, sweareth by the throne of God, and by him that sitteth thereon. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For ye pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin, and have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. These ought ye to have done, and not to leave the other undone. Ye blind guides which strain at a gnat and swallow a camel. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For ye may clean the outside of the cup and of the platter, 
but within they are full of extortion and excess. Thou blind Pharisee, cleanse first that which is within the cup and platter, that the outside of them may be clean also. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For ye are like unto whited sepulchres, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are within full of dead men's bones and of all uncleanness. Even so, ye also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within ye are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because ye build the tombs of the prophets and garnish the sepulchres of the righteous, and say, If we had been in the days of our fathers, we would not have been partakers with them in the blood of the prophets. Wherefore ye be witnesses unto yourselves that ye are the children of them which killed the prophets. Fill ye up then the measure of your fathers. Ye serpents, ye generation of vipers, how can ye escape the damnation of hell? Wherefore, behold, I send unto you prophets and wise men and scribes, and some of them ye shall kill and crucify, and some of them shall ye scourge in your synagogues and persecute them from city to city, that upon you may come all the righteous blood shed upon the earth from the blood of righteous Abel unto the blood of Zacharias, son of Berechias, whom ye slew between the temple and the altar. Verily I say unto you, all these things shall come upon this generation. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, and ye would not. Behold, your house is left unto you desolate. For I say unto you, Ye shall not see me henceforth, till ye shall say, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. And thus far, we read God's word. As I said, the text tonight is verses 27 and 28. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For ye are like unto whited sepulchres, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are within full of dead men's bones and of all uncleanness. Even so, ye also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within ye are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. We might ask, when we see a sermon that's going to be preached on this text, why a sermon on hypocrites and hypocrisy. I had the question of my own congregation when it was in the bulletin that this is what I was going to be preaching. And that question was asked, why a sermon on this? And then it was on the occasion of a confession of faith on top of that. But it was the request of the young man who was making confession of faith But I don't blame it on him. I could have refused the text. But why preach on this? Four reasons. And that helps us to understand as well what we're going to be looking at in this passage tonight. The first reason is Jesus did. And that should be enough. Jesus preached on this. 
That's what we have here. And it wasn't just he's singling out the scribes and the Pharisees and the hypocrites, but we go back to the beginning of chapter 23. Then spake Jesus to the multitude and his disciples. So he's preaching to this great multitude. He's preaching to his disciples. And in the course of this sermon, he's addressing hypocrites and hypocrisy. So Jesus does it. And this isn't the only place that Jesus does it. Yes, he does it here in Matthew 23, and most of the sermon is about this. But if you go back to the great Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew 5 through 7, you see Jesus there also addressing hypocrisy. It was something that he did throughout his ministry. So because Jesus did, I should, we should as well. But why else should we have a sermon about this? Well, secondly then, following the example of Jesus, we understand that there are hypocrites within the church. And therefore, hypocrites in the church must be warned of the judgment to come. If there is anyone who is a hypocrite here, this word needs to be heard by them and they need to be called to repentance for their sin. And this word of God will do that tonight. We also must hear this because there is hypocrisy in every one of us. So it's not just in singling out a few who may be hypocrites within the church. But beloved, we're going to see as we look at this word tonight that there's something for every one of us. We all have a bit of this within us because of the old man of sin that is found within us. And we need to face that and see where it is that this hypocrisy is found within us. And where it is, and this is the fourth reason that we need to look at this passage tonight, we need to learn then by way of contrast what genuine Christianity looks like. Genuine Christianity is not about appearing good on the outside. But we're going to see, and that especially in the last point tonight, that genuine Christianity is about living a life that is consistent whether in private or in public. That our lives ought to be the same whether we're here at church in front of other people or we're at home with our families or when we're in the workplace or wherever we are. So we need to learn what it is to be men and women of integrity in contrast to those who are hypocrites. So with that in mind, we consider tonight this text under the theme, evil pretending to be good. Evil pretending to be good. And that's what a hypocrite, a hypocrite is. Evil pretending to be good. We notice first the description of a hypocrite. Secondly, the warning that comes in the passage and then finally, what the opposite of being a hypocrite is. You and I may use the word hypocrite and hypocrisy in certain ways. And probably what's going to happen tonight is that our use of those words will be challenged tonight. We may find that we've not been using these words in a right way. So we want to understand what Jesus is saying when he speaks of a hypocrite and hypocrisy. 
In verse 28, Jesus is saying there that a hypocrite is one who is evil or unrighteous, but pretending to be righteous or good. But before we look at that whole idea and concept, we should look at the idea of the word hypocrite itself that comes out in this passage. Now in verse 27, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! What is a hypocrite? The Greek New Testament word hypocrite has the idea of one who is an actor or an actress. And that's what a hypocrite is. A hypocrite is a performer. We know that an actor or an actress plays a character on stage for a performance and one who is very good at acting makes you believe that what they're saying and what they're doing and what they're feeling is true and real for them so that they are that character that they have taken on. In the days of Jesus, there were actors and there were actresses. And the way in which they would do it in that day is that often they would put on a mask so that people who would know them by their face would see this mask and understand that they are pretending to be something that they really are not. That gives us an idea then of what a hypocrite is. A hypocrite is a spiritual actor who wears a mask. And the mask that the hypocrite wears is a mask of righteousness that is covering up wickedness that is found in their hearts. And that's what you'll see in verse 28 in that description there of a hypocrite. Even so, ye also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within ye are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. Notice the contrast there between the outward and the inward, the outside and the inside, the appearance of a man or a woman and what is found in their hearts. And that's exactly what makes a hypocrite difficult to spot and identify. A hypocrite looks good outwardly. He looks very righteous. He looks law-abiding. He looks even pious and godly. But for the hypocrite, it's all a veneer. It's, it's all a mask to cover up what's on the inside. What's on the inside, what the text says in verse 28, within you're full of hypocrisy and iniquity. Now there's a distinction there. We all have some hypocrisy within us and iniquity within us, but the hypocrite is full of it. Full of it. And the life that he lives is all a mask it's all a veneer. It's all a pretense for what's really going on on the inside. That's what we need to see and understand tonight, that when Jesus identifies a hypocrite here in the text, he's really identifying an unbeliever in the church, masquerading as a believer. Now, that doesn't mean that a hypocrite cannot come to repentance. A hypocrite can come to repentance, a hypocrite can be converted. 
No doubt some of the very hypocrites that Jesus addressed in his ministry later were converted. Maybe at the time of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit was poured out and the church in Jerusalem was growing by the thousands because of that work of the Holy Spirit, these hypocrites were changed. But at the time, these hypocrites are living as unbelievers. So see and understand the difference. Maybe when we've used the words hypocrite and hypocrisy, maybe you said before, I'm such a hypocrite, or I have so much hypocrisy within me. Hypocrisy does not describe someone who wants to live for the glory of God and strives to live for the glory of God, but commits sin and occasionally falls short. That's not a hypocrite. A hypocrite is not a person who genuinely desires God's glory in a life of holiness, but doesn't live perfectly. A hypocrite is not even someone who says one thing and practices something different at times. We all do this. But that's not a hypocrite. A hypocrite is one who purposely and deliberately is living a lie. Their displays of godliness in public are there only to cover up what is found within them, that they're full of hypocrisy and iniquity. The hypocrite is an actor. He's not a righteous man. He's a righteous man who's pretending, or he's an unrighteous man pretending to be a righteous man. So when we put together some of what Jesus says about hypocrites, here are, some certain, here are some characteristics of one who is a hypocrite. A hypocrite lives a lie. The hypocrite lives a lie. The hypocrite is judgmental. Notice that Jesus says that in Matthew 7. He speaks of that. That's, uh, remember in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount when Jesus there is identifying what we are called to do when we sin, see a sin in someone else. And Jesus says, before you go to that person, first you must get the log out of your own eye or the beam out of your own eye before you look at the sliver in their eye. And then he addresses the hypocrites. And the hypocrites are judgmental. That's the context there. He says, judge not that ye be not judged. That's what a hypocrite does. He's judgmental. He's looking down his nose at everybody else and the way that they live and the things that they do because in the end, the hypocrite is proud. He elevates himself above everyone else. And this is what he does even as he is hiding a secret life of sin and ungodliness. But it's striking also what Jesus says about it here in Matthew 23. He says that the hypocrite is blind. Verse 26, thou blind Pharisee. Hypocrites, while they're living this great lie and covering up, they're often, if not usually, blind to this in their own eyes so that they need the grace of God, they need the work of the Holy Spirit to take that blindfold off so that they can see their hypocrisy. Jesus here in this passage, not only explains then what a hypocrite is with the word hypocrite and the description in verse 28, outwardly appearing righteous, but inwardly full of hypocrisy and iniquity. But he gives pictures of this to help us understand that. 
The picture that he gives in the text, first of all, is of graves in Jerusalem. In verse 27, he says, For ye are like unto whited sepulchres. So this is graves that are whitewashed. And that's what would happen in that day, especially around the feast times and the Passover feast, when Jews were coming into the city of Jerusalem, there were graves along the road, and sometimes they wouldn't be seen as graves, and so what they would do is they would whitewash those tombs. They would not do that with paint like we would do in our day, but they would take limestone or plaster and they would put that on these tombs so that the tombs were identified as tombs. And that was very important in that day because if someone would go by and they would touch that tomb and happen to touch as well part of a, a dead body, that would make them unclean for the feast that they were coming to partake in. But Jesus is saying that the hypocrite and these scribes and Pharisees were like that white washed tomb looked all nice and white on the outside but inside that tomb inside that grave were dead men's bones and rotting flesh Jesus says a hypocrite is like that oh they look good on the outside but inwardly they're unclean they're dirty They're rotting in their sin. In verse 25, Jesus gives another example. He speaks there of a cup. A cup that's clean on the outside, but dirty on the inside. I think there of a container that might have gotten lost in the back of the refrigerator. Those Tupperware containers, and then someone comes and sees that, and oh, I wonder what this leftover is in the back of the fridge. And it looks fine on the outside. The container looks fine, but you open the container, and it's a science experiment. It's all blue and fuzzy and even smells awful. And Jesus says, that's the hypocrite. Looks okay on the outside, but inside stinks in all of his sin. That reminded me of something that I had happened recently, a few weeks ago. Uh, I went down to help my dad. My dad lives in Indiana, and that's where I grew up. And I went down to help him uh, do some work around his yard, and then also we tore down this old playhouse. This old playhouse was about 30 years old. It was built by my grandpa in our backyard, and when we were kids in that backyard, we would play in this playhouse. It was time to tear it down. Uh, There's no use for it anymore, and we knew it was getting kind of, kind of old and, and it needed to be taken care of. So we had a little fun on that day with a sledgehammer and a sawzall taking down uh, this playhouse. It didn't look too bad on the outside. It was still painted pretty nice. Ah, the shingles were crinkling up and weren't in very good shape on it. But then we got down to the bottom after cutting a, away all the top and the roof and all of that. And we got down to the bottom, and there is some linoleum. My grandpa must have put linoleum on that floor when he originally built that playhouse in our backyard. And you could see there were some waves in that uh, linoleum. But by the time we got down to the bottom and we tore off that linoleum, none of the structure was left. We pulled out maybe two two by sixes or three of them about this long in a whole playhouse. And the plywood, it was just a sheet of it. 
Just a, a really thin sheet, that top layer of the plywood that could be peeled off with the linoleum. And otherwise, it was just the dirt underneath it. And it reminded me that's what a hypocrite is. The, the playhouse looked okay on the outside, but underneath it was all rotten. And soon it was going to fall down on its own as well. That is a hypocrite. Jesus uses these pictures in the text to describe the Pharisees. Outwardly, they followed the law of God and then some. Think about it. They worshipped on the Sabbath day and they kept the Sabbath day so much so that they wouldn't walk more than they should walk because remember they had laws about that. You could only take so many steps on the Sabbath day. They followed all those laws to the T. They paid their tithes. They seemed to do everything by the book, by the law. But what was going on inwardly? Inwardly, there was no love of God and no love for His Son. These same Pharisees who said, oh, of course, we love the prophets. We wouldn't do what our forefathers did when they killed the prophets. And we love God and we follow all of His law at the very same time. Some of them were plotting behind closed doors to kill the Christ, the Son of God. It was all pretend. It wasn't real. It was a mask. They didn't love God, and they did not love God's Son. That came out in different times during Jesus' ministry. Think of those times when he would heal on the Sabbath day, and they were outraged. They should have been glad. Someone was healed. But they were outraged. Why? Their laws about the Sabbath were violated. That exposed as well what was found in their hearts. And there's so many examples of these kinds of hypocrites. But probably the greatest example in the New Testament is Judas Iscariot himself, one of Jesus' own disciples. Pretended throughout Jesus' earthly ministry of three and a half years to love Jesus. Pretended. And he didn't. Even betraying him with a kiss and a few pieces of silver. But seeing hypocrisy in Jesus' day brings the question to us what does hypocrisy look like today? Let me give to you a few examples, but these are only a few examples. One could be the example of a husband, a husband who appears to be a very godly man in public, a man who, in front of others, uh, gives displays of love to his wife and his children, but at home. At home, it's a different story. At home, he's a different man. He's a monster toward his wife. He tries to control every part of her life. He tries to control how much she spends. He threatens her. Maybe even he hits her. He demeans her with his words. He, he keeps his wife living in fear and he keeps her separated from others. That would be an example in the church today of a man who is a hypocrite. There are others who practice deception and manipulation as well. There are those who attend church regularly. They're always smiling. They say the right things. They confess the right things as well. But what goes on at home? What goes on in their lives? Well, they rarely pray. They spend a lot of time drinking. They maybe spend much of their time at home in front of the television. Their language is awful. 
They maybe watch porn on top of it or go gambling and waste their money or live in some other kind of immorality and sinfulness, yet at the same time portraying before the church that everything's fine and portraying before the elders at family visitation that everything is fine in his life. Or this would be the man or the woman who uses his or her position in the church or a school for their own sexual pleasure, taking advantage of children and using them sexually in a way that is so wrong and so vile as well. They put on the appearance of righteousness that they're all good and everything is right. But it's all a mask covering for their deviant and sinful lives. These are examples in the church today of those who are hypocrites. Jesus speaks a word of warning to those who are hypocrites. He says in verse 27 and and throughout the chapter, Woe unto you scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! Woe! And so the question is tonight as we look at this passage, what does that word woe mean? There are two things that are part of that word. The first is, Jesus is expressing grief and sorrow at their hypocrisy. He's expressing grief and sorrow for their hypocrisy, not because he would desire that they would be delivered from it and he can't. That's not the idea. But instead, he grieves and he sorrows for their hypocrisy because of the damage because of the damage that that hypocrisy causes. And he he speaks of that earlier in the passage. Because that hypocrisy is passed on from one generation to another. He says in verse 15, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you compass sea and land to make one proselyte, and when he is made, you make him twofold more the child of hell than yourselves. They carry on that blindness to others. They hand it on to others. And it's awful. And so Jesus sees the damage that this hypocrisy causes within the church and he grieves over that. But that's not the only meaning of that word woe. It's not just grief and sorrow. The second part of it is it's a denunciation. And a denunciation is this. It's a condemnation of it. Jesus is condemning hypocrisy and those who are hypocrites. He's saying about them that they deserve hell for their sin. He's saying that hypocrites are really unbelievers deserving of the judgment of hell for their masks that they wear. That shows the seriousness of being a hypocrite and hypocrisy. And that's why we have to be careful if we're going to say, well, I'm such a hypocrite. Well, there might be some hypocrisy within us, but to be a hypocrite, according to what Jesus says, is to be an unbeliever deserving of the wrath of God. When it comes to hypocrites, though, we might say, but how are we to know them? How can we see them within the church? And it can be difficult because of the mask that the hypocrite is wearing. But we ought to remember what Jesus says about this. Jesus says earlier in his ministry, by their fruits ye shall know them. You'll know the wolves among the sheep. 
by their fruits. Jesus also says this in Luke 12, verses 1 and 2, Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy, for there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed, neither hid that shall not be known. And even the hypocrites of Jesus' day, their hypocrisy was made known. It was made known when they nailed Jesus to the cross. It was made known when he healed someone and they were outraged at that because it violated the laws that they they had instead of seeing the, the beautiful grace of God revealed in Jesus Christ. That was true of Judas Iscariot. His hypocrisy eventually was revealed when he betrayed Jesus. It eventually comes out. Their fruits are made known. So that not only does God see and know, of course he sees and knows, but even in the church eventually, it will be seen and it will be known. This is something that is warned about often in Scripture. You have Titus 1 verse 16 where Paul is saying there that there are those who profess to know God, but they deny him. Jesus says that there are those who will come to him in the judgment day and say, Lord, Lord, and he will say to them, I never knew you, depart from me ye workers of iniquity. What we see here is that not everybody who claims to be a child of God is a child of God. There are those in the church who are not born again. There are those in the church who are not regenerated. There are those in the church who are not given the gift of faith because the Holy Spirit is not living in their hearts. We're not talking here about someone who who is a believer and then fell from grace. We know that does not happen. You don't fall from the grace of God. We're talking about those who are pretenders and they never had the work of the Holy Spirit within them. And thus we know that God is the perfect judge. He judges righteously And here's the warning for those who are hypocrites. The warning is, you live in this way. You will face the judge. You will face the wrath of God. So Jesus here in this sermon calls hypocrites to repent. He calls them to repent. That's what we find in the verse before. Verse 26, Thou blind Pharisee, cleanse first that which is within the cup and platter, that the outside of them may be clean also. What he's saying there in that command, cleanse first within. He's saying, repent of your sin. May there be a great change that takes place in your heart that is manifest in your outward life. Now this is the important word of Jesus to anybody in the church who may be a hypocrite. Repent of your hypocrisy. But there's something else for us to look at as well here, and that is, We need to look at and identify certain hypocrisy that may be found in our own lives. The question is then for us, where are we not living in a way that is consistent with our confession? What sins are we covering up? Young people, are there sins that you're trying to cover up to keep from your parents to keep from the church, to keep from your fellow classmates. The Word of God says, God sees and knows it all. Don't cover up. Repent of those sins. Turn from those sins. Clean yourselves in dependence on the Holy Spirit from that sin that is found within you. Are there other sins that we're trying to cover up in our lives and are we pretending that there's simply nothing wrong with us? 
Jesus here in this passage is calling us to repent of the inconsistencies in our lives. He's saying to us, the outward is not simply what's important, but the inward is important as well. Our lives must match our confession. Here's why this is so important and why it's so important that we hear this warning as well. What makes the sin of hypocrisy so serious that Jesus comes and he says, Woe to the hypocrites! Woe to the scribes and Pharisees who are hypocrites! What makes this so serious? What's so awful about this hypocrisy? We we dig here a little deeper. Three things. The first is this. The hypocrite worships himself instead of God. The hypocrite worships himself instead of God. Going back to Matthew 7, where Jesus puts his finger on the judgmentalism of the hypocrites. They're looking down their noses at everyone else. What this takes us back to is the idolatry that is found in the heart of one who is a hypocrite. He wants to be judge. He wants to be the judge of all things. The hypocrite is that proud, that high and lifted up, that he thinks he ought to be judge in place of God. And the hypocrite does not judge righteously. The hypocrite, like the scribes and Pharisees of Jesus' day, judge by their own standard what's good for myself. And that's the way the hypocrite is. He judges everyone else by himself. Thus the hypocrite commits the sin of idolatry. The hypocrite does not worship the one true and living God. He worships himself. That comes out as well in Matthew 23. And when you go to the beginning verses, in verse 5, we read there, and it follows, the the verses that follow speak to the same thing, but all their works they do for to be seen of men. They make broad their phylacteries. Phylacteries are little pouches where they would hold uh, little portions of the law in them. And this became a show for the scribes and Pharisees that they had these phylacteries with there and they would enlarge the borders of their garments and love the uppermost rooms at feasts and the chief seats in the synagogues and greetings in the markets and to be called of men. Rabbi, Rabbi, they wanted men to bow down before them. They really wanted that. They wanted people to kiss their feet and to acknowledge their greatness. That's the pride of hypocrisy. It's the idolatry of hypocrisy because the hypocrite, what he craves more than anything else, is the praise of men. Pats on the back. You're a great man. That's the hypocrite. And it's idolatry. The second thing that makes hypocrisy so serious is that the hypocrite does not love other people. You see the violation here of the main commands of the law. The hypocrite doesn't love God. The hypocrite really does not love other people. That takes us back to Matthew 23 here as well. They want the praise of men. They use people for themselves. That's part of what motivates them. They want what they want. They want the praise of men. 
And so that's what they seek after, and that gets in the way of their loving anybody else. The only one that they love in the end is themselves. So instead of humbly serving others, the hypocrite looks down his nose at others and judges them. He puts himself above everyone else. Again, in these things, we have to look at ourselves in this. Where do we see some of this idolatry? Where do we see some of this desire, this craving for the praise of men? Where do we see as well our lack of love for other people? We need to repent of these things. Hypocrisy is serious. The hypocrite worships himself instead of God. The hypocrite does not love other people. And finally, the life of hypocrisy really flows out of false doctrine. Jesus, remember, is identifying the scribes and Pharisees. What was their doctrine? What was their doctrine of salvation? What was their, to use the the long term, what was their soteriology? What did they believe about salvation? What they believed about salvation is that they were saved by their works. They were saved by their works. So yes, they might do a few things wrong, but they can make up for that by following all the laws that they had. And that's what led to their focus on outward obedience. If they followed all the minute laws that they had, then that's what made them righteous before God. And so their bad theology led to wrong living in their lives. And that's the way it always goes. Wrong theology works through in our lives. And the problem with this is that it's all opposed to the doctrines of grace. And that's why one who knows the grace of God, one who is a believer in the grace of God, cannot possibly be a hypocrite. We can have some hypocrisy within us, but not be a hypocrite. A hypocrite doesn't know the grace of God. All that he knows is his own works in trying to earn his place with God. The reality is when we know the grace of God, that drives out from us all hypocrisy. So this is the seriousness of hypocrisy, the wrong doctrine, the loving of self instead of others, and the failure to love God, the idolatry of self. So as we consider all of this tonight, that leads us to consider then the opposite. What's the opposite of being a hypocrite? Well, the opposite of being a hypocrite is being a believer who lives in uprightness or integrity. In Proverbs 10, verse 9, we read this, He that walketh uprightly walketh surely, but he that perverteth his way is known. So the last part of that verse describes a hypocrite. He perverts his way and it's known. He tries to hide it, but eventually it's known. So the contrast to that, He that walketh uprightly walketh surely, walketh consistently. It's talking there in Proverbs 10 verse 9 about integrity. What is it to be a man or a woman of integrity? The man or woman of integrity is the same in public or same in private as he or she is in public. Who you are on the inside is shown in what you do on the outside. So that one who is 
A man or woman of integrity is not trying to hide and cover up sin in their lives, but instead, when they sin, they confess it. When they sin, they're very open about it, and they know the grace of God, and they display in their lives that they know that grace of God. This is not mean that the people of God, that believers in God are perfect or close to being perfect. We desire to walk in light and we desire to walk in truth, but when we don't, there's something that follows. We repent. We confess. We fight in dependence upon the Holy Spirit to put off the old man and put on the new man. We desire to be holy because God is holy and we know this holy God. We desire in our lives on a daily basis to be more like Jesus Christ. The goal of God in our lives is to be Christ-like. To be humble as Christ is humble. To love as Christ loves. To be righteous as Christ is righteous. To be holy as Christ is holy. Beloved, this is an important word for all of us. This is an important word for me. And let me just explain the application of this for us by applying it to myself. What's important for me as a preacher is not what I'm like in the public eye. If I go home and I'm a jerk, kids, you shouldn't say that word, but you understand what I'm conveying. I'm a jerk to my wife. And I'm a jerk to my kids. That's not living a life that is pleasing to God. It's not being the same in private as I am in public. What's more important for me is what I'm like at home. It's more important for me what I'm like at home. Men, women, children. It's more important what you're like at home. And when you're by yourself. That's what people of integrity are focused on. Am I living a godly life in everything that I do? Not, not just in public. Not just when the elders come for family visitation. Not just when I'm here at church and everybody's seeing me and they keep their eyes on me. And it's not just a matter of keeping my eyes open or at least making it appear like I'm awake so someone other doesn't see how bored I am or how much I'm thinking about other things or how tired I am. It's not about appearance. It's about living as men and women of integrity in everything that we do. We're not just concerned with a whitewashed appearance and looking good before others, but what we truly desire is sanctification and holiness and being like Jesus Christ in the whole of our lives. That's what's important for me. That's what's important for you. When you're in traffic, when you're at work, when you're at home, when you're sitting in front of the computer, when you're on your phone, when you're waiting in line somewhere and you're waiting and waiting and waiting some more and the temperature is rising, 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 what are we like in those moments? Jesus is telling us this is what's important. The second thing we want to understand tonight is that a true believer then is committed to truth. 
We're committed to the truth of God's sovereign grace. We notice that a hypocrite is not. He's committed only to himself and his own works. But the child of God is amazed by the grace of God and can't get enough of that grace. We sang earlier, thy grace and love we love to contemplate. Is that true of you? I can't get enough of hearing of the grace of God and what he's done for me in Jesus Christ and what he's doing in me by his Holy Spirit. We can't get enough of hearing of the gift of God's grace, Jesus Christ, our Savior, and that ongoing work of Jesus Christ in our lives. We can't get enough of hearing that God is a God of grace who saves undeserving sinners. And the true believer then lives a life that's consistent with that. Not trying to earn anything with God, not just trying to look good in front of men, but living a life of thanking God for His grace. His grace, as we sing in Psalter number 426, is as wide as the ocean, and His mercy exceeds the height of the heavens. No limits to that grace and that mercy of God. And that's what drives, that's what drives the worship and the life of the child of God. So may we, in our love for God, be committed to his grace and the life that flows out of grace. Where there's hypocrisy within us, may we repent. And may we live a life that's consistent, whether in public or in private. Amen. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we're thankful for thy word. We thank thee, O God, for the work of the Holy Spirit. We thank thee for thy grace. Where we need to repent, may we do so tonight when we return to our homes. And give us strength, Father, to live lives that are consistent with thy amazing grace. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.